Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, the podcast where we're going to tell you everything that you and we can learn from musicals. I'm your host, A.N.C. Weber, here connected with my co-hosts across the internet. With me is... It's me, KB! And... Julie! How are you, ladies? Yeah, good. Staying safe you know, in social isolation. I'm sitting on my bed talking <laughs> to you guys, so it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting in my room at my makeshift office, which is also right next to my actual bed. Best <laughs> case scenario time, for everyone. Guys. So, luckily, uh, even though we are all socially isolated, even in Australia, we're going to have an international guest because we can now. We can. So, once Yay. again, we have the lovely Mary Littlejohn. Hello. How are you, Mary? I'm doing all right. How are things you know? in Fair Canada? Um, a little strange, <laughs> you know. Um, in Vancouver, we're all pretty much socially isolating as much as possible. Uh, so it's been it's been a long two weeks, but I'm still sane. You know, <laughs> for now. I feel like stay-at-home parenting prepared me for this. So, you know, I'm in good spirits. And I love to talk about musicals, so this is very exciting. Has your intake of musical theatre increased in isolation? Um, oddly enough, no. It's decreased <gasps> because really the only musicals I can listen to while my son is around uh, <laughs> is, well, basically Susical. Um, so it's been a lot of Susical, <laughs> but I'm open to suggestions. If you can think of any other good kid-friendly musicals that I can play around the house, that'd be great. Uh, honk? You could play Honk. Oh, oh. God, no. No. <laughs> no, no. no. Okay. I'm pass on the Honk, Charlie Brown? Oh, yeah. That, that's, that was actually the first musical I took him to. And he enjoyed it. Aw, cute. So that that is a good one. Yeah. I'd say then Snoopy as well would be on the same same level. Cool. I don't know where you would. I I guess it's it's available on Apple. So there you go. You can listen to it on Apple. We had trouble finding it when we we did it. Now. Mary John, tell me first. You've (laughs) been in isolation for two weeks. Mm, Yes. Miss Mary. Which is the hardest day? Is there a day that you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh? Um, oh, gosh. I think it's when you hit one week 
because it's already been a week and then you're like, I probably still have to do this for at least an, more than half of the amount of time I've already been doing it. Because it's like, they're saying like a month at least. Um, so. Oh, yeah. well, tomorrow is going to be a rough day then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. well, let's distract ourselves. So we have already got to Yay. know Mary in her first uh, uh, guest spot on this show. So this time we get to cast Mary in a show. Now, I probably know Mary the best out of all of us, so I'm going to go first, and I think that Mary would make a great Miss Honey. Yay! I would <laughs> love Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. Because you are the most wholesome. Now, now we met during... Uh, 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee where you played Olive and mm-hmm. I played uh, the guy. Mitch Mahoney. Yeah, Mitch Mahoney. That's his name. Mitch I remember. Mahoney. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I think that I would love to see Olive grow up into a Miss Honey. I mean, it's basically the same character grown up. Mm, mm-hmm. um, no, it's so funny. We, um, we saw it last year, me and my husband. I took him to see it because Matilda's one of my favorite musicals. And... Um, He's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, yeah, because, like, she had the glasses and, you know, the cardigan and, yeah, the, <laughs> the skirt. Yeah, sort of little retro-ish vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would do that part well. I've I've got, like, just, like, a vibe. Uh, it's, I guess, not the opposite end to Miss Honey, but it's, it's, like a few, definitely a few steps away, but still very well intentioned. Um, Joe March, yes, I could ah. see you as like a strong, yes. yeah, thank you, lady. <laughs> yes, that's nice. that's my dream role. Yeah, one yes. of them, one of like it. the ten. All right, well then, do I find something that's in the middle? Hmm. <laughs> Nurturing, strong-headed, Rizzo from Greece. Maybe a Maria von Trapp. Music is a happy medium. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like it. Yeah, that's that's like a a classical version of Miss Honey. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. Governess. Yeah, why not? Governesses. Yeah, but speaks her mind more than Miss Mm -hmm. Honey. Mm. That's true. Excellent. Yeah, not that I'm saying, Mary, that you speak your mind all the time. But when it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's it. We know cool. Mary now. So let us take a break <laughs> and we'll come back and we will talk about the show that Mary has brought to us The Moulin Rouge. Okay. Moulin Rouge. Now, Mary, why did you want to talk about Moulin Rouge? Because, first of all, it's my favorite movie of all time. And ever since I saw it, I was like, well, they just need to make this into a musical. And then they did. And I saw it last September um, on Broadway. And immediately, like by intermission, I was like, this is the best show I've ever seen. Like, it's incredible. It's, yeah, top show yeah it's now, the best show i've ever seen now i basically. saw <laughs> i saw the movie as a as a young gay and it very much influenced my aesthetic and <laughs> yeah and my my uh my sense of style i think uh but yes it was it was definitely a very 
Because it was it was the first musical to be nominated for a Best Picture since Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so yeah. like yeah. the first time in ten years at that point. And it was just the year after that Chicago won Best Picture because it didn't win Best yeah. Picture. Yeah. So we yeah. kind of we kind of uh, broke through that ceiling again, I guess. Yeah. For grown up. Yeah, Chicago was I think easier to swallow mm. for people. <laughs> I think what the audience also needs to know is that Zane is currently wearing a top hat. Look, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yes. Can I just say, I we'd had a discussion yesterday about dressing up for these the, these these uh, episodes that we're recording, and no, I I understand that you're wearing <laughs> you're wearing shirts. Well, well I didn't done. Get the memo, sorry. <laughs> no, just, don't I worry, Mary. We didn't. Apartment. <laughs> Dress ups are not the things that are in storage right now. <laughs> I put on makeup for you, Zane. Thank you. I appreciate that. I guess I didn't. <laughs> it's fine. You. It's. It's a. Uh, I. I didn't put on makeup for anyone either. So, Moulin Rouge. Let's get back to the Moulin Rouge. Uh, right. Mary, can you give us a two-minute elevator pitch of the plot of the Moulin Rouge? Okay. It's like a cross between Camille Laboem and Orpheus and Eurydice, um, set in the 1890s in Paris, um, featuring songs from the 20th century and beyond. I mean, that's not two minutes, but <laughs> no, that that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> One yeah. minute and fifty-five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so it is. It's set during the Belle Epoque, so kind of like the Bohemian. New Age in Paris, yes. right? Yeah, set in the in, in Montmartre, in the Montmartre, the district. In Paris, yeah, yeah, so it is, and it's it's based around a, an English writer coming to the Moulin Rouge, falling in love with Satine, their their like lead, I guess is what we'll call her, or the lead dancer yeah. singer, and then her having to seduce someone else to pay for the con- to to pay for the theater conversion and then the being jealous and the doomed relationship of it all yes set to 83 different songs yeah something like that <laughs> so 70 it is, to 80 yeah so it's a jukebox there. musical it's really a jukebox yes, musical it is yeah um very few original songs there are a few in there yeah um but a lot of a lot of samples and covers which is yes. Baz Luhrmann's and style. And mashups. So many mashups. <laughs> so medleys. many mashups. Oh, it's, my goodness. Yeah. Because Elephant yeah. Song Medley, which is what it is called in the, both the movie. Elephant Love Medley. Ele- Elephant Love Medley, sorry. I was thinking of your song. Um, I believe in the musical has 20 different titles, either reference. It has, yeah, it has a lot. Yep, 20. Yeah. 20. Yep. <laughs> I just checked my spreadsheet, yes. I am yes, so definitely. happy that you have a spreadsheet of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard to keep track of otherwise. Um, so it, it is a very interesting musical and Baz Luhrmann, of course, has a very distinct style and there were rumours right from the get-go after the release of this movie of it being turned into a stage musical. Yeah, right, right away, pretty yeah. much. And still we got Strictly Ballroom before we got Moulin Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like maybe... He needed Sorry, to um, test test out his like yeah. transition from stage to screen, and strictly boring was probably a lot easier to do that with mm-hmm. than Moulin Rouge. And <laughs> there were a lot of licensing 
you know, you would have had to do so much licensing to get the rights to do all these songs. Yeah. It was hard enough for the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like, even with Courtney Love, (laughs) who was originally, uh, well, wanted to play Satine, being Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I guess you can have the rights, but you have to give me $125,000 in order to use it. Yeah. (laughs) Fun times. So, Mary, I'm interested to, because you said you love the movie. It's one of your favorite movies of all time. And this is one of your favorite stage productions of all time. How do you feel the music compares between the movie and the musical? Because obviously, because of licensing and what have you, the some of the big medley numbers like the Elephant Love medley have changed significantly as well as the opening. How do you feel about the differences? Um, uh, for the most part, I was pretty happy with them. I think the thing is that made the movie so fun is that when you go in and you see it for the first time, there's the recognition when a song comes that you know and it's like, oh, yeah, they're singing that song. And if you know the movie really well, then that kind of that gets lost when you see the the musical. Whereas in the musical, it it does the same thing with new songs. So you still get to have those moments of, oh, they're singing that song. And and now they're mashing it with this song, you know, <laughs> like there's so many little moments of discovery and joy. Um, so though I did miss, you know, like the big ones, like the show must go on. Um, what they replaced it with, which is a mashup of Crazy by Gnarls Barkley and Rolling in the Deep by Adele, <laughs> is actually like my favorite track. So it's, it's you know, it's two different mediums. It's two different, um, like they're done 17 years apart. They kind of had to update it. And yeah. I think it was necessary. Some people don't like some of the songs that they've chosen. Um, but... It is what it is. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I, I found myself kind of 50-50 because I really love the new opening, but I'm, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the old Elephant Love medley. But again, like all of the newer songs I put in, I, they, they put in, I think fit really well into what they were doing. Yes, and I, exactly. I, like I they love, put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, I love both versions of uh, mm-hmm. El Tango Roxanne. Um, which is one of my favourite songs from both the musical and the movie. So, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is interesting. They are very different beasts, musically speaking. Um, yes. Yeah. And you can always go back to the movie, you know. Yeah. If you don't like something they did in the musical, the movie still exists. So well, there you, was, can, you can enjoy them both. There was a time when Baz Luhrmann was kind of in the in the planning stages of how to put this on stage when he did approach Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor about leading the stage production. I'm like, I don't know how that would go because Nicole Kidman's yeah. not a strong singer. I um, hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it didn't happen. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. I think too, Nicole Kidman would have been like, I've already broken two ribs and like <laughs> damaged my knee. She sustained a lot of injuries doing <laughs> that movie. Yeah. So, I think that speaks yeah. more about her than it does about the movie, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, they were like on like a fly for the Elephant Love medley song, like so far off the ground that <laughs> when they filmed it, that <laughs> if something went wrong, then it was going to go wrong. Mm. Um <laughs> I didn't know it was based on Orpheus and Eurydice until I started researching for the musical. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it actually has made me love it even more because I too I watched this as like a 12 year old and loved it like loved it could not stop watching it it was just Ewan McGregor was hands down my love (laughs) interest forever like Like when he started when he started singing it's just like oh you can sing too oh my god he's still my baby done Done. yeah I think for um for me I loved the movie when I was little, like like KB. I watched it a lot, and I really shouldn't have because it is not appropriate for children. But um, <laughs> but it's really, really, I really, really love the the movie and the music from the movie. I think what they've done with it, having like I don't have the chance to see it, and I'm probably not going to get the chance to see it anymore um, on stage. It's coming so, to Melbourne next year, supposedly. Fingers Maybe. crossed it happens. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but uh, like with that only being able to look at the pictures that there are of like the set. And I, I assume that kind of immersive, amazing, you know, set and totally. the visual of it yeah. is amazing. And yeah. I'm sure like the, the dance and all that is incredible as well. But only yeah. being able to listen to the soundtrack, I found it super tedious. I was like, oh, guys, like there's a lot of new music in this, but it's all still going to date. So why did we do it? Mm. Yeah. No, that's like updating point. it for the sake of updating it, it is still going to date. Yeah. You're the you're not the first person I've talked to that has mentioned that. And, yeah, I think that's just a byproduct of because the music is just one part of it, you know? Yeah it's there's so much more to it like you said it is immersive when you go into that theater like god I stepped into the theater and I just started crying because I was like this is like (laughs) incredible it's just it hits you um yeah and then the music starts and the way they have the theater set up is they have I don't know how exactly it's different from other Broadway shows but they have speakers like strategically placed throughout the audience so that like the sound is coming like the orchestra and all the vocals are almost coming from around and within you (laughs) so it's really loud but not in a way that hurts your ears just like that fills (laughs) your body I don't know yeah it's it's an experience I think that's the thing. Like, it is an experience. Like, Global Creatures developed the musical alongside mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann, and that is their motif, I guess. It's like they mm-hmm. are making stuff that will sit within you and be a part of you for that two and a half hours or yeah. however long the musical is. Like, that is their kind of – their aesthetic is to make something grand and amazing and something you don't forget as much as – uh, King Kong storyline wise was not excellent. I will never forget the puppetry of a huge ass <laughs> gorilla <laughs> in a theater, you know, or war horse. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be spectacular to watch. And hopefully, we do get the opportunity one day. I think of all the places it could go, it will come to Australia. Like, it has to, right? Like, because Baz Lemon, he has to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do yeah. think with that, though, we don't have the theatres. Um, uh, I, I don't think our, our theatres are as capable of that complete transformation. They'll mm. make it. They did it for King Kong. <laughs> They've done it for Harry Potter. Like, mm. Harry Potter's theatre has been totally, like, like the fa- everything, the wallpaper, the carpet, everything has changed mm. to accommodate that show. King Kong, like, 
they gutted out that theater and rebuilt it so they will do it for, like if they want to they will do it i don't yeah they said the regent in melbourne is yeah yeah oh yeah so so do we do we have any more fun facts with KB? Oh, my goodness, so many fun facts. All right, guys. So in the movie, the word love and all of its variations, loved, lover, loves, loving, blah, 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 um, appears 143 times. I don't know if it's the same for the musical. That seems low. It's a lot. I, I, I was expecting like... <laughs> a lot. I was for expecting an hour like, and a half. I was expecting like 200. No, like, for the musical, I'd say it's love. probably more, just because yeah. there's more songs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, Come What May was originally written for Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So they didn't use it in Romeo and Juliet. They put it in Moulin Rouge, which made it ineligible for the Oscar. But I'm so glad that it sits in this show and not in yeah. Romeo and Juliet. I think it would have <laughs> been lost. Yeah, I don't even know where it would have gone in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Oh, I did not yeah. know that. Popping um, in the fish tank scene is what I'm saying. Just popping in the fish tank <laughs> scene. Should be right. Um, Baz Luhrmann specifically chose Alex Timbers to ter- to direct Moulin Rouge on Broadway. Um, he had seen Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, which we have spoken about on the podcast before. So go back and re-listen to that episode. Um, and they were at a dinner party, and he floated the idea past Alex and Alex was like okay so he got to like reinvent it reimagine it and they worked a lot together on that which I think is really cool I really like those weird random things that kind of happen because bloody bloody Andrew Jackson was not recent so no. he would have kept Alex in mind for a long time it's awesome Goals. Goals. Um, let's see what's my last one my last one is not a fun fact. It's just what my favorite song is, Zane. So what is your favorite that, song? My favorite song has always been Come What May. Yeah. Always, always, always. But Aaron Tveit's voice in Roxanne. Oh <laughs> my goodness. My ovaries. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So good. What about you, Julie? So Do you have a favorite song? Um, look, not from the musical. No, I liked the tango. Um, El Tango Roxanne? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. yes, from the movie. Okay, yeah. Well, to be fair, that is the first time I ever saw Carolyn O'Connor in anything is in Moulin Rouge. And that yeah. song is the one where I noticed her. I was like, yes, I like you, whoever you are. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Mary? Do you have a favorite song? Um, from the movie, Come What May, absolutely. Um, and from the musical, like I said, Crazy Rolling is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I also really love Chandelier. Like me too. I didn't think because, I would. Like, yeah, the way it's and the way it's done in the show was just incredible. Like the harmonies. Yeah, it's incredible. And also, when I'm in a good mood. Um, Shut up and raise your glass is really <laughs> super fun. It's really, really fun. Okay. Well, Julie, did you manage to find a bad <laughs> review with Julie? It was very hard, <laughs> but I actually found one. Okay. Um, it's not a like any particular reviewer or website. So this is just like someone who went and, and saw the show. <laughs> and had opinions. Uh, <laughs> It's an opinion, you know? Uh, great cast and dazzling set can't save this Broadway botch job. 
by <laughs> by Nat Windman on the seventh uh, 25th of July 2019. Nat, were you watching Aaron to date? <laughs> he said great cast. I mean, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Despite an ornate and environmental visual design depicting of a turn-of-the-century Parisian nightclub, first-rate leading actors, and the updated, upgraded jukebox of hit singles to play around with, Moulin Rouge is not unlike earlier botched, inherently problematic attempts at bringing visually distinct movies to the stage. Think Wizard of Oz and Singing in the Rain. Okay. Mate. I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> to, be, to be honest, and I'm going to go against his, like, maybe his thing, is that when I actually stood outside of the Moulin Rouge, I was disappointed at its aesthetic because it's so good in the production stills of the musical and it's so beautiful in the movie that I was like, it's better. I've heard, it, I've heard it's really small, but... It is quite small. Know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let us... Take a quick break, and we'll come back with the lessons that we've learned from Moulin Rouge. Who learned a lesson about love, lovers, loving, loveration, love? Well, I mean, there's the obvious one. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the last part's the hard bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, self-esteem. Who needs it? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not us. Um, I did learn, I think this is more from the movie, having not seen the musical yet, but I did learn that I am a hopeless romantic. Like, Having seen this at such an early age, I was like, that's all I want. I want some guy to stand on top of an elephant and sing love songs at me. And then to die on stage after he walks away. No, no, no. We won't get to that end bit. I think Um, this is... I learned from the movie. Let's be fair, to be fair. (laughs) From the movie, I learned uh, what the Moulin Rouge was, is, Mm. where it is, all of the above. Didn't know it existed until the movie came out. <laughs> I was young. Hmm. You had you had no aspirations to be a Moulin Rouge dancer? Mate. <laughs> as much as I'd like to swim in a tank with a python, nah, mate. Yeah, hmm. if anything, it turned me completely against being a dancer. <laughs> Not that that was ever a life goal, but it was like a definite no from that point onwards. I think it's one of the very clear sub... Uh, sub, sub stories of the of Moulin Rouge is that capitalism is evil and so are rich people in general. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but also, on a more pleasant note, um, artists will make art no matter what and they'll find a community as well. Yeah, I think we're seeing that now and like that's probably the takeaway from quite a few shows that we are recording today <laughs> um, is that artists will make art. End of story. Yeah. And Even when they say they can't, they still will. (laughs) Or they don't want to, they still will. (laughs) They will find a It's a compulsion. It's a compulsion. (laughs) Yeah. Someone need the attention, KB. (laughs) Not all of us are extroverts, Julie. (laughs) I'm an introvert that needs the attention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why does why don't the introverts get any attention? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
community and community is is huge and even just the community of the cast like reading everything about it and seeing particularly the um the gypsy like characters of the show have really banded together and, mm. and formed such a wonderful friendship and a wonderful bond that yeah that sense of community kind of just constantly is a through line in whatever adaption obviously that we are looking at yeah, yeah and, the, and the way that they support each other through their hardships mm. and don't well there is a little bit of judgment but even beyond judgment they're just kind of like okay you're go- what, what do you need for me to help you and honestly, yeah. that's something that is way more um, prevalent in the musical mm. than in the movie. Like Satine is really kind of the glue that holds um, the cast of the Moulin Rouge together. And that's why she, you know, does all the stuff she does with the Duke. Like she's doing it for her family, for her little theater family. And they have like she has a really good w- relationship with the four uh, Lady Marmalade uh, ladies, because they're actually not fully fleshed out characters, but <laughs> they're um, they have more to do. They are characters. And, yeah, they're characters. Yeah. Do you guys remember when this movie came out? There was like a big surge in the name Satine. Mm. Oh, like everything, <laughs> the amount of Khaleesi's so, that we've seen in recent years. Is, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys also remember how many people spelt it wrong? <laughs> Just satin. <laughs> there was a lot of satins and satans out there. Just oh, saying. Dear. Not a lesson, but a fun fact. <laughs> well, that's the other fun thing is like obvi- obviously Christian and mm. Satine is very obviously meant to represent <laughs> good Christ and evil. And yeah. Satan. Or mm. like the god and the underworld. Yeah. You know, yeah. Orpheus and Eurydice. You know, uh, something that I learned learning. is more uh, just kind of in- intellectually. Um, I learned about Henri Toulouse-Lautrec. Um, mm, now he yep. was played by John Leguizamo. Is that how we pronounce his name? I never Leguizamo. Leguizamo um, in the movie, and he is obviously the he plays a little person. Um, but Henri Le- Toulouse-Lautrec is actually the artist that uh, made the Moulin Rouge famous by making ink prints and posters of the actual dancers showing their undergarments <laughs> most scandalously. But he's actually one of my favourite artists now. And he's there is a 1953 movie called Moulin Rouge about him starring uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor as a, uh, <laughs> as a Moulin Rouge dancer, which I highly recommend. It's a very good movie. Um, but I it's basically about his life. the poop out of that. <laughs> Yeah, Henry Toulouse-Lautrec is not just the uh, the happy-go-lucky little person that he is presented as in uh, the Moulin Rouge movie and musical. And also, again, in the musical, he has a lot more to do. Yeah. And he's more yeah. of a fully fleshed out character, which was very nice and refreshing. Yeah. A- any other and lessons? We didn't give the actor the same back problems that he gave <laughs> the movie actor. No, no, they didn't. Like, he didn't really do... Um, anything physically different because it's such a frenetic show like you just have to be on your feet <laughs> basically yeah. so um, any other lessons or shall we move on to our dreamcast i have one more oh yes please um go big or go home mm-hmm. and yeah. you can always go bigger <laughs> <laughs> I, on that note let's let's take a break and we'll come back with our dreamcast
Okay, so let's get it out of the way. Julie, I can see him on your wall. <laughs> Ain't he pretty? <laughs> Zach He's Efron like, is Christian. Is that is that just the... I take a picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's I fair. mean, it's a good choice. He'll be fine. He'll where be he fine fits. as Christian. He's no Aaron Tveit. You've but... all gone into slow motion for me. Um, everyone seems fine for me. Now Not for Julie's me. being weird, but whatever. Um, look, he fits, and I think he would be a good Christian. Don't you say otherwise. Yeah. He's a delight. He's not Aaron Tveit, but who is? Aaron Tveit. Mm. Yeah. Aaron Tveit. Aaron Tveit. He's the only one. Yeah. But I still would watch him as Christian. I think this is a kind of show that, like, if it's still running in a few years, will be the kind of show that lends itself to stunt casting. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, like, I can see them bringing in Zac Efron because it'll get people to come and see it. Now, I have, I have one very strong opinion about the casting in this movie and it is only ever going to be Dreamcast because the actor that I want to play Zidler absolutely cannot do it anymore. He is far too old. I want Jim Broadbent from the movie. I yeah. love Jim Broadbent mm. and he was my favourite character in the movie. But yeah, it's like like Mary just said, like it's too frenetic of a show to have anyone <laughs> anyone of any significant age. <laughs> really, and also he doesn't it. have two hours a day to fit himself back into that fat suit. Uh, like, yes. It took too long. <laughs> it will take too long. I don't know. But I... as his like maybe slightly younger counterpart, I've popped in Kelsey Grammer for Zibler. Mm. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I all can right. See that. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. What if we made Carolyn O'Connor Zidler? She can do it. She is oh, fit. I don't hate it. I actually. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's yep. Officially you sold me. <laughs> not hated. <laughs> I mean, I think also the second. Well, as soon as I finished watching it, the. I think I texted you, Zane, right away, and I was like, "Well, you need to play Zidler." In well, your life. that <laughs> was always going to be I mean, the case. <laughs> yeah. He's got the top hat. I do. Yeah, I have my exactly. own top hat. You do. You're pretty much you are <laughs> Zidler. It's great. Um, I think again, probably too old, but I feel like like a few years ago, uh, Tim Curry would have been perfect. Oh yes, this. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Still watch it. Yeah. Ooh, Alan Cumming. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah I that think kind of energy. Yeah. That that kind of but Danny Burstein is amazing. Mm. Like he's incredible. Do we have strong he feelings? Said a lot of, oh. Sorry, Zane, keep going. Do I was just strong... saying that Danny Burstein took a lot of inspiration from Joel Gray's MC mm. from Cabaret. Yeah. So that vibe is sure. like absolutely the way to go. Yeah. And that's the end of my Opinion. <laughs> Do we have strong feelings about a Satine? Because Satine is a very interesting character to cast. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's the thing. Like, in the musical, she's a radically different character mm. than she is in the film. And I think if you wanted to have a Satine played more like she was in the original film, someone like Sierra Bogus would be wonderful. Um, I'm thinking like Broadway, Broadway people though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think like, but for the newer iteration, again, with the stunt casting, I think Lady Gaga would be wonderful. Yeah. She's got the stamina and she's got that, she's got a good mix of both the movie and the musical satine that 
could probably translate well if they did a remake. Yeah, I can definitely see that stunt cast. Plus some of her music is in it too. Yeah. (laughs) And um, you've reminded me with um, Sierra Bogus, um, Emmy Rossum, which is kind of closer to a stunt cast, I guess now. Yeah. Her Shameless is more stunt casting. Hmm. All right. Well, any other any other strong feelings about Dreamcast before we get on to our top five list? Um, I had Leslie Odom Jr. as the Duke. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. Here's I, the I thing, just though, like, oh, the Duke is – I it, this was my only issue – well, not my only issue, but my biggest <laughs> issue with the sh- with seeing with the musical is that the Duke was really sexy. Like oh. he was so sexy, it was like, mm, I mean, Christian is nice, but like, <laughs> but have you looked? <laughs> the Duke at is the sexy Duke? and rich. Yeah, but then he got like really evil and abusive. Yeah. So it's like, okay, no, fine. But actually, I don't mind Leslie Odom Jr. as Zidlar. Yeah. yeah, that could be Ooh. interesting as well. Um. Huh. Yeah, I guess I don't have a good pick for the Duke. Um, what about yeah. Idris Elba? I can't say it. Idris Elba. Elba. Too sexy. Yeah. What do you do? No, like, <laughs> I want it. I don't, yeah, yeah, that's fair. If it's rich and sexy, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. quick move yeah. on, Dave, before okay, we I'm gonna, unpack I'm that. I'm going to press a button and Could we're we, going Wait, wait, wait. Yep. No, 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 one more. Okay. Can we um, actually get a little person to play Toulouse Attract and have Peter Dinklage. Yes. Because yeah. wouldn't that be, like, he's amazing. Yep, absolutely. That would be beautiful and he would be so great. I 100% back that. And he can sing, so. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. All right, I'm pressing a button. What top five, Liz, would you put Milan Rouge on? Best jukebox oh, musical. It has to be, right? Is there yeah. a better one? Yeah. Not to me. <laughs> Not to me. Uh, Jersey Boys? Jersey, I don't yeah, think it's Jersey better. Boys. I think it's on the list. Yeah. I don't think it's Top five. Better, Beautiful. Like, yeah. You've got a lot of jukebox musicals. I think, of, 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 of even of the ones that you've mentioned, the ones that, if you were going to say, you can have tickets to any of these musicals tonight, which you're going to see, I think I'm going to pick Moulin Rouge. Yeah, but you also haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Beautiful. I've seen Jersey Boys. That's it. KB and I are both at Jersey Boys. (laughs) (laughs) KB would see Moulin Rouge and then make her decision. (laughs) 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 Because Aaron to me. Um, I had it on because we know that it's going to... This isn't the last Baz Luhrmann to be turned into a stage show. Um, I can't wait for Australia the musical. (laughs) That's what I said. Australia the musical. Um, This will be. I don't like that. Stage to screen to stage adaptions. We we don't need Australia the musical. No, thank you. It will happen. Just be wait. Um, Top five number just numerically of sampled and (laughs) covered songs in a show. Yes. Now, now, Mary and I have both counted, and we have different numbers. Uh, I got eighty-three, and Mary got seventy-five. That's just I, a number I heard, I'm picking out. Of oh, my, okay. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you're probably right. I just didn't count them. So then, like top five bleeding royalties as well. Mm. Yeah, it, it would have been an interesting. The the copyright lawyers on this one would have had a had, had an interesting time. So, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts just, and just prayers. Just there with a stopwatch, <laughs> timing each segment of of stolen song. Uh, okay. 
Yep. You're over 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, top uh, five Mega Mix finales. Oh, <laughs> yes. And what, what top five Mega Mix openings? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's not as many of those. Yeah. But fair. yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, it ends on a on 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 just a just a carousel of songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say top five global creatures. Um, having not seen it, but like How to Train Your Dragon was phenomenal, and King Kong the puppetry was phenomenal. So I'm gonna <laughs> say that it's probably number one. Um, but yeah, top five global creatures shows. Uh, top five musicals with titles that end in an exclamation point. <laughs> uh, well, we Zana, have a lot of those. Zana don't. There's actually not that many. <laughs> oh, there is. <laughs> and it's Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma, Oliver. <laughs> I don't think Zana don't's going to be on that list. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I All right. Any any other top fives? All right. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for bringing Moulin Rouge, uh, Mary. I've loved geeking out about and being nostalgic for the days when I was a but a young boy. Indeed. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know you then, but I'm sure we would have been good friends. <laughs> oh, yes, probably. I, I'm not too much different now. I'm just a bit more jaded. Uh, is there anywhere that you would like to tell our audience to find you and what you're doing? Ooh, yes. You can find me on Facebook um, under Fabulous Theater. F- that's F-A-B-U-L-I-S-T. That's my uh, little theater company. I'm co-artistic producer and co-artistic director. And we put on cabarets, musicals, plays, reviews, and fun things. And we just did an original play of mine that was very well received. And we have some plans for the next year but we don't really know (laughs) what's going to happen with them but if you like us on facebook you can stay tuned for when we do know absolutely and we're all crossing our fingers and hoping for the best for theaters to reopen sometimes it is dark times Mm. right now very dark times but creator's going to create and speaking Indeed. of which, if you want to find out more about musicals, tell me everything I know, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, or on Instagram. You can find us at our home on the web, that's not canons.com forward slash MTMEIK. You can become a, one of the best people in the world at patreon.com forward slash musicals, tell me everything I know. Uh, we are still a very long way away from me dancing the Necronomicon. So um, I guess that's just on you, everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, As always, in this time of isolation, uh, take care of yourself and each other. And if you have any musical friends, let them know that we exist and that they can dive into our hundreds of shows that we have spoken about already. Um, There's heaps there. And if you have any show requests, send us an email, musicalstaughtmepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much, KB, for joining us. Thank you, Zane. Thank you very much, Julie. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Zac Efron. And thank you to our very special guest, Mary Littlejohn. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So great. And we'll catch you next time. Keep listening to musicals, everyone. Bye. Bye. That's Not COVID is a new podcast from all of the podcasters on the That's Not Canon Network. 
While we were all isolated and removed from our routines, we thought that the network could come together to offer this new podcast with ideas and ways to occupy your time, relieve your anxiety, and inject some fun into your day. You'll hear voices from all over the TNC network, so subscribe now for some quality distraction and entertainment, and we'll all get through this together. That's Not Gunner Productions podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.